Well, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for uh, uh, coming out and letting us uh, share a little bit with you and, and you get to share a little bit with us. Um, I think it might be fun and exciting to, uh, to, to maybe have everyone raise their hands if you've been up since at least 8 a.m. Raise your hands. Okay, keep your, hand, keep your hands up. If you've been up since at least 7 Okay, still up. Let's do 6 a.m. Can we do 6 a.m.? Okay, you're still, wow, guys, I'm impressed, I'm impressed. All right, let's do, let's do 5 a.m., all right. Oh, we're getting down, we're getting down there, all right. All right, okay, 4, 4 a.m., all right. I think my daughter just put her, my daughter just put her hand down, so yes, I remember that. All right, uh, we still got a few people that are still, Still remaining, okay. Uh, three, three a.m. All right, we still got right back there. All right, so we've got one in the back. All right, and 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 Brent over here. Um, both of you, look at me, okay. You guys could just sleep. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, just just go ahead and pass out. We've got we got a pew over here, got a pew there. You guys could just. Just go ahead and chill. Hey, uh, I, I, we really enjoy Christmas. It, it's fun, and I know you guys do. And um, this, this particular day is always a, a fun day when Christmas falls on Sunday. Um, fun in parentheses, because some people don't find it as fun. And it's not always, um, as a pastor's family, you kind of have to finagle it. But we are excited to spend it with you. We appreciate you guys being here as well. And uh, as we went through the Christmas season, one of the tensions that I kind of recognized in my life, and it always comes up every Christmas, I shouldn't be surprised by it, but, but it does, is, is this tension between what I want and what I need. Because there's a lot of things in this world that tell me what I need, and it's really what I want. It's telling me what I want, but it, it's presenting it in what I need. And, and Mary and I have been talking about booking a vacation recently, and, and I'm kind of an a expectation kind of person. I like to dream. I like to anticipate. I like to plan and, and kind of wrap my around all the different experiences of that. And uh, I got on a couple um, websites to plan a vacation. It's amazing how they just kind of ha- hijack your brain right, and tell you, no, you need this, you need the upgrade, you need, the, the, you need this experience, you need this room, you need these kind of special things when it comes to airfare. And if you book your airfare through Spirit, they give you nothing. So you have to buy everything. It's actually a need because you need bags and you need a seat and you need peanuts on the plane and stuff like that, right? So you, you guys have been there. So I was just walking through this season of, of kind of what do I really need? What do I really want? My mom is, is spending Christmas with us um, uh, this season, and it's great to have her here. And she actually asked me this morning. She said, so you were at Thanksgiving, and um, you, you mentioned how cool it would be to have a Google voice. You know, you ask Google, and that little thing that sits on the thing, and I was like, yeah, that'd be really cool. And she's like, tell me about that. Is that something that you need, or is that something that you want? And I'm like, mom, I'm actually going to preach a sermon on that, and about... 10 minutes. So let's not, I don't think I can answer that right now. Let's wait till afterwards and then we can Google it, right? Hey, Google, do I really need this? Um, so I, wandering through this, I, I, I'm reminded back to my um, psychology class in college where, where, where Maslow's hierarchy of needs, do you remember this? Do you remember this? I think we got a slide of it. Can we put that up? So on the bottom, you have the physiological needs, which are like food and water and warmth 
you know, and those are, those are basic needs. You need those, right? And then you build upon that, upon safety needs. And then you build upon that to, um, to love and belonging and friendships. And then esteem, you need to, you need to have a, a certain positive outlook on yourself. And then the, 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 the top is self-actualization or, or feeling like you make a difference in the world, feel like you're, you're making a, a, at least that's what I remember from psychology class. But if you're in my house this morning, we actually added some to that. This is our Christmas one. These are the things you need. <laughs> Um, and uh, uh, I think those are necessary to get through Christmas, um, probably more than, than actually food and safety. I need bacon and Wi-Fi. Uh, batteries also helping as well. We ran into that problem this morning. So uh, walking through this, I, I want to read, read to you a story. You know this story if you've read the Christmas, um, uh, the Christmas narratives through Scripture, and uh, you, you've interacted with this. But I want you to kind of wrap your head a little bit with this and, and kind of walk through this tension with me because there's this sense in this narrative that we're going to read in Matthew chapter 1 where Joseph, I believe, is coming at the response to this dream that an angel comes to him in a dream and tells him something amazing. And he walks through this tension of what I need and what I want. And um, this, is, this is a little bit. You guys know this story. This is what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Nice guy. But after he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, before we go to the next slide, let's just stop there. Can we go back, let's go, let's go, go back one slide. But, before, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said. So picture this with me. You, you know the story. He's pledged to be married. Maybe he's never even met her. Maybe the families kind of know each other. It was an arranged marriage. Um, sometimes in the arranged marriage in Jewish culture, you'd even see the person to the actual wedding day. And so we don't know where they are. We don't know their connection. We don't know their involvement. We know they're both really, really young. Mary is probably 14-ish. Uh, Joseph's probably a little older than that. And, uh, and so their lives are, are full of this kind of excitement and wonder, yet they're living in a world that doesn't allow a lot of room for that. I mean, we live in America, some call it the greatest country in the world, the greatest country that's ever been. There's a lot of joys that we get to experience on a daily basis, right? If you've gone overseas, you experience a third world culture, you maybe even watch a documentary on refugees, you'll learn that we are really blessed to be here. It's not so much in Joseph's world. Joseph's, they, they, were, they were lived in a place where their rights were not normal things. They didn't really have a future. They didn't really have the hope of something great. But marriage, the joining of families, was always something that they cherished. And the idea that the woman that he's supposed to marry, the young woman, the teenager pretty much, that he's supposed to marry, is now going to change his future because she's pregnant. And, and, and whether or not he gives her the benefit of the doubt, whether they, it was actually explained to him, whether he kind of knows the whole story at this point, he just thinks, well, maybe it's best that we just kind of part ways. Maybe it's just best that we just kind of separate. But I love, I love what Matthew does at this part. Of he says, but after he had considered this, he hasn't made his decision up yet. He, he's, he's thinking about it. 
He's considering it. He's weighing between this idea of what I want and what I need. Now, let me give you a little bit of taste of Jewish culture. Is Jewish culture, they lived in a place where they faced this really harsh rule of the Romans. And they longed so much to have their own free country, to worship the way they wanted to, to live the way they wanted to. And they, they believed, and it was built into them, that was entrusted to them, that was taught to them at a young age, that someone was going to come. God was going to send someone that's going to change the world, change their world. And this person was going to come in the essence of several Old Testament figures that you are very, very familiar with. One of the particular figures that is supposed to come in the essence of is in the essence of David, Right? The, the, the conquering king, the ruling king, the, the largest uh, area that, that um, Israel has ever reigned was under David. And the other person that kind of lives uh, in lore, obviously, is Moses. But after Moses, who, who's the person who took over the rule of the, of the Israelites? Yep. Joshua, who was it? Joshua, you know the answer to this. Joshua, that's the answer. <laughs> just, just seeing if he's sleeping yet. He was up late. He was up early this morning too. So, um, we, uh, uh, Joshua was the person. If you remember the story of Joshua, he crosses over the Jordan River, and he's the one that is the general. He's the one that's this military force that God uses to sweep out all the uh, opposing tribes, all the inhabitants of God's promised land. And so he, he's a pretty strong guy. If you read that first part of, of Joshua, there's, a, there's these words that come up through there. And if you read that first chapter, God speaks to Joshua as he's kind of giving him the, the role to take over. He looks into his world and he says, um, be strong and courageous. He says it three or four times in that first chapter. And the, and the Hebrew word there is shazak. Doesn't that sound like a manly kind of word? I mean, it's not like when you're, when you're, you're putting your, your sweet... Um, your sweet daughter to bed, you sing her the shazak, you know? I mean, this is, this, is a, this is one of those go get you kind of things, and that's who Joshua was. He was a go get you kind of guy. So, in that vein, in the idea of all these things rustling through Joseph's brain, he's considering all of this. An angel of the Lord appears to him in the dream and says this Joseph, son of David. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. He's afraid. He's freaking out about that possibility. He's still considering it, but it's definitely more fear on that side than the other choice. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, I have this picture of, of Joseph lying down on this little mat in this little kind of hut, I guess, that they lived in this little house, and he has this dream, and I've had dreams before that, that kind of mess with your brain. Maybe you've had one of those too. Some of them are bad pizza. Other of them just kind of happen, right? And, and God is using this dream. I don't think it's bad pizza. I actually think it's a powerful moment. It makes sense to him. It comes at a place where he needs to hear from. And in this moment, he's, this is what God says. He says, don't be afraid to do this, to, to live out this choice that you're considering. Don't be afraid. 
Carry it through. Do it. Because the Holy Spirit is involved in this. The Holy Spirit is at work in this. The Holy Spirit has a plan that you can't see. And she will give birth to a son. And even though he's not technically your son, you're going to be allowed to name him. You're going to have that fatherly right to name him. And you are to give him the name. And this is one of the things that I, I'm going to spoil your, your, your total Christmas experience here um, in a moment. Because um, he's going to give him the name Jesus. But really, if you were to pronounce that in the right way, it's the name Yeshua, the name Joshua. They don't have J's in Greek or in Hebrew, so they would pronounce it with a Y, right? Yeshua. So, I mean, I'm going to ruin all your Christmas songs now because they just don't make sense with Yeshua. They make sense with Jesus, right? You know, um, Jesus, it's Yeshua is his name. And the Yeshua means the Lord saves. The Yeshua means Joshua, in the vein of Joshua. Now, Jews at this time didn't just throw names around. It was an important naming process. It represented the character of the individual. And I was racking my brain last night, thinking through Scripture. Where in Scripture is there another person named Joshua? I mean, we've got, we've got a few different Simons in the New Testament, right? We've got John's galore. But where is, the other Josh, where is the other Joshua? Because it's such an important name. And I believe in this moment, in this idea, as this man is lying there in his bed and he's having this dream and the angel's speaking to him and it says to him, you are to give him the name Joshua. I believe he gets a little psyched and a little pumped. I know my son played soccer this past, um, this past season and when he scored that goal, his very first goal, I think I was a lot more excited than he was. I went bananas to see him do that. Was so proud of him, just, just so excited for him. And just think about the pride that you have in a son, and you're supposed to give him the name Joshua. It's not just a name we throw out. No one else is named Joshua because this is Joshua. This is the guy with the sword in the army. This is the guy who's going to conquer. All those Romans that are forcing you to live in a way that you don't want to live are going to be no more because you're going to have the next Joshua, Yeshua. And then the angel says, because, and he's ready for it. Yes, because, because he's going he's gonna to kill them all, right? He's going he's gonna to be awesome, right? Because he will save his people. Yes, he will save his people from the Romans. He will save his people from these. He will set up a new nation. No, he will save his people from their sin. And I think that part would be the hardest part for Joshua to swallow. Because the Jews have a whole long list of ways that they could solve the problem of how to fix your sins. They don't need someone right now to save their sins. They need someone based upon that hierarchy of needs. They need someone on a different level than that. And we like to think Christmas is a lot about forgiveness. You do something wrong and you get forgiven, right? That's the nice thing that we say. It's what we teach our kids. It's what we teach here. But that's really not the purpose of why Jesus came. Jesus came to purchase your forgiveness, yes, but he came to save you. Save you from your sins. 
what, what's, what's a time in your life where you really need saving? I mean, how many of you are drowning right now? None of you are, obviously. How many of you have ever been at a place where you have no hope? I need help. When we were married, our first winter we've ever spent together was in um, um, Brighton, Michigan. And we were a pastor, uh, a youth pastor at the Free Methodist Church there. And this was at the end of winter and all the snow had melted except the one snow bank that was where they plowed all the snow to, right? And it happened to be right at the end of our driveway where we would back out. And I had a... Um, a 1999 Ford Ranger, loved that truck, rear-wheel drive, and I gunned that thing because there was no snow, and I backed it right up into the snowbank, the only snowbank left in Michigan, and I hit it. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible. What if I get stuck here? So I go to put it in drive, and sure enough, I'm stuck. And I tried all the different ways that I could think of. You know, you get out the sand and you throw it into the snowbank. It's the only snowbank, guys. I mean, everything else has melted except the one that I backed up into. But my mom, being the awesome person she was, for Christmas she gave us a subscription to AAA. And I had to call AAA to pull me out of the only snowbank in Michigan. I needed saving from the snowbank. And that's the best I could come up with. To think that he's come to save us from our sins. Not just forgive us, but save us. So, so fast forward. Fast forward from Joseph's life clear to, to the person of Paul. This is what Paul has to say when it comes to sin. And, and the condition of sin. Look, look what he does here. Look how he, he says this. He says, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. See, he's setting up a, a little word picture here. He's setting up sin as a king, sin as a ruler, sin as a master. Don't let that ruler take over. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desire. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin will no longer be your master because you are, un you are not under the law, but under grace. Th th think about this, think about this. Jesus has come in the same power and essence of Joshua. But instead of waging wars against the things that you think you need, he actually defeated the thing that you can't defeat in any other way. Your sin. And I'm not talking about the things you do wrong. I'm not talking about the word that happens to come out or the one time you're online and you happen to go to a site you're not supposed to or the, or the one time you're talking with someone and you let the gossip go too far. I'm not talking about the little sins. I'm talking about this condition. And all of you know what I'm talking about because all of you have tried to fix your sin condition by yourselves. All of us have tried to do that. We, we do different things with it. Some of us go so far to say that God doesn't exist. 
and therefore I don't have to deal with my sin because it's not real. But we know it's the brokenness and the pain around us. But he's come to save us from our sins. To set us free. To change our allegiance in the rule over us. To give us a new king, a new ruler. And that's pretty exciting. This is, the, this is the way he wraps up this chapter, is this next verse, and you know this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. If you are working for sin, if sin was your master, it pays you in death. When you get the paycheck, it's direct deposited. No taxes come out of it. You fully get all death. And you know this. Some of you have killed future aspirations because of sin. Some of you have killed relationships because of sin. Some of you have killed things because of sin. And some of us still live in those wages. But that's not the master we have to serve anymore. We serve a new master who pays us not in sin, but in what? Life. And not just any kind of life, eternal life. Do you know that when you switch your allegiance from the master of sin to following Jesus, when you, when you don't choose to follow your ways and your selfish desires and live your life for you, but you live your life for Jesus. That's what it means when we say, accept Jesus into my heart. It means we're, we're choosing to follow him. We're choosing, he's, he's, he's taken over my life. I'm, I'm living the way he wants me to live, not the way I want to live. And when you do that, you get a new paycheck. The wages of sin isn't death. You don't get paid in death, you get paid in life. And, and, and the coolest thing about eternal life is it doesn't start when your body dies. You know that? You know you who are following Jesus are eternal. You are living eternally now. So at Christmas, I, I go back and forth between what I need and what I want. And basically, I get to the place where I really don't need anything, do I? I'm really thankful that I can mail my clothes and all my Amazon boxes to Goodwill. You know you can do that. I'm really thankful that I can have opportunities to pare down what I want. Because I really don't need anything. And when I talk to uh, people in the Middle East, I find that I really need a lot less than I think I need. And when I give the gifts that you guys gave to families at Christmas this season, six families that we helped through this community because of your generosity, and I got to meet them and share with them and hear a little bit of their stories, and I realized I, I really don't need much, do I? But there is one thing I need, 
there's one thing that I can't live without. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And for some of you, that's really hard to understand, and I, I, get, I get you. Because you think, well, listen, sometimes I need someone with skin on, right? I need someone right in front of me. I need this. I need, I, I, I need money because I'm poor and I, the bills are being paid. I need a job. I need a relationship. I need a, a friends. I need food. I, you can go up and down that scale of, of what you need. But when you find out that really what you need, and, and, and you begin to walk it, it doesn't just happen in a moment, but you begin to walk it, and you follow Jesus. You find out that that's the need, and he meets that need in a real way. So this week kind of wraps up this year, and we get to start a new year here at, um, at Davidson Free Methodist Church. Ben, come on up. And I wonder if, if there might be one of you or some of you that would be saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make 2017 the, the year that I need Jesus. The year that I really express that and really live that out and really try to follow that. We've got some things coming up in the new year, ways that you could interact and learn a little more about that. And we would love to journey with you. Got questions? So do we. We can, we can try to answer them together. You've got answers? Good. We need them too. Come and share them with us. You've got skills? You've got abilities? Come. Come and share them with us as we're following Jesus towards what he's called us to do. You've got problems? Yeah, we do too. Come, come follow Jesus with us. You've got a past? We all do. Some of you are paying off the wages of sin? Yeah, I am too. But that doesn't change the fact that his name is Yeshua, the saving one, the Savior. the pain inside you and the hole inside you that you've tried to fill with whatever you filled, whether you followed Jesus a long ago or you're totally new to this. That hole won't be filled except through the person of Jesus and following him and living that out. So we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing... Um, we have a Savior. We just sang it. You should know it. If you want to talk, if you need to pray, if you need to pull someone aside, take this moment. Use what you can. Let God speak to you. And, and I really hope and pray that the saving one shows up and meets you where you need to have him today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We pray that you'd come and fill this moment. Father, I pray for the individual who is um, wanting so desperately to make this decision, but is thinking, how he says that all I need is Jesus. What does that even mean? 
How, how does that live out in my life? Does that mean I sell everything? Does that mean I, I just stop everything? I mean, what does that do? Father, I, I pray in that moment as they cry out to you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them now. And in only a way that you can. And maybe it's a moment of action that they need to take. Maybe it's a moment of faith. Maybe it's coming to the altar. Maybe it's pulling a friend aside to pray with them. Whatever it might be, Father, speak to them.